man, can you believe it? We are already into May. And you know what, what that means for us folks with school-age children? We have like three weeks left of sanity. And uh, so, I don't know about any parents here, but Korea and I are trying to figure out what we're going to do with our daughter uh, come summer. So we're looking into summer camp, and, and uh, man, has anyone seen this adventure place down the street on 120th? It is, like, you know, we went back there, and there's, like, this soccer court, soccer field, so- basketball court. I'm like, I want to be here for, like, three hours. That looks awesome. So we're, we're thinking about, uh, and I was just thinking about, like, the summer camp I went to was not nearly as exciting as this. So I went to this place, and it still exists, I think, called Singing Valley Bible Camp, and it's outside uh, Canyon City, and it's this rustic campground, and, and to be honest, rustic is, uh, is a nice description of it. Uh, looking back, I'd probably call it dilapidated, ramshackle, and run down. Uh, basically, it consisted of like a meeting hall, which doubled as a cafeteria, a shower house, and sleeping quarters. And really, sleeping quarters was, again, a nice description of what, is, is my memory, it was really like a barn. Uh, are you all familiar with this? Okay, well, you try to get my, my drift, and it, I'm trying to remember, but, like, it had, like, what are those, the sound of roofs, that are, like, the wavy plastic, like, that was the roof and, like, the siding, and you walked in, and, like, there was just, like, a fence around, I'm pretty sure they kept, like, cows there when they weren't having camp, and there was, like, this gravel floor, and we slept on the, on the floor in sleeping bags, or, or you know, the <laughs> the kids from the rich families, they brought their own uh, cots, right? <laughs> but the thing that, as a 13-year-old or 12-year-old, however old I was in middle school during that year, the thing that got my goat was what, like, because it was such an inexpensive camp, they had us do chores. And um, so, for me, I don't remember what all the chores were, but I just remember that I was assigned to the dish washing crew. So every dinner, after dinner, we had to go back and wash all the dishes, and it's now, who knows how long it lastly actually took, but for me, it seemed like an hour after dinner where we're washing dishes. Uh, and then, then the real fun began after dinner and after washing dishes, because they, they rearrange all the chairs and the tables. There's probably a crew for that, right? Probably a bunch of kids that they may do that. And it was the, the uh, church service, I guess we'd call it. The, I don't know what they called it, um, but we'd have an, an evening service and this is kind of a thing for church summer camps, is you always have this special speaker. And we had uh, a very special speaker. He was a, a prison evangelist. Basically, I don't know exactly, but you know, I imagine he went around to different prisons like trying to get people converted to Christianity. And this, this was a guy who was really big on converting people. Good for him, right? You know, that's kind of his job. Um, you know, as a, as a teenager, as a young teenager, I just remember, like, he would tell, like, a lot of, like, scary prison stories, and, you know, like, hey, this is what's going to happen to your life if you don't shake up. So every evening, we'd have, like, this, we'd have something like this church service, there'd be some singing, some announcements, sort of like we did today, and then he would preach, and he would preach, and he would preach, and, you know, there was no kind of like done by this time. He just went. And, uh, and after his message, after his formal message wrapped up, he'd have this informal time uh, that we'd, I guess we'd call the invitation. And he would encourage people to come forward to the front to 
pray with a leader to make some kind of decision of faith. And of course, my memory is a bit fuzzy, but I honestly remember these times of invitation being longer than the actual preaching time themselves. Because he would just go on and on, pleading and pushing, ordering and insisting that if we didn't come forward and confess whatever we needed to confess, we would end up locked behind bars like all his people he knew. So, uh, you know, it was a good, it was a Baptist church camp, right? So, uh, he'd have a piano player there, and, and I just remember, like, you know, he'd, he'd play through a song, and he'd be like, play another song, and he'd play through another song, and then he'd be like, play another song, and I just feel like it was just this endless, just, you know, him just up there, like, you know, ranting and raving back and forth, trying to get us to come forward, and I just remember, like, one night, I was just so overwhelmed by it all, and I was just sitting there, and I just felt like my heart was just, like, beating out of my chest, and just like scared to death, like just a wash and guilt and shame until finally I came forward and I succumbed to his relentless invitation. And before I knew it, I was whisked away into an RV. That's my memory. And again, we were at this rustic, rustic church camp, right? And there with some youth leader, this youth leader tried to get us to repent of whatever it is we need to repent of, Right? So again, my, my memory's kind of fuzzy, but I, I have this memory of me sitting on like this, I think it's like a, a bench in the RV, and I'm like, I'm like the end, it's like me and like four boys, or three other boys my age, and we're sitting there kind of in a row, and I just, I just remember like, I am just like shaking and shivering, and I'm just, I'm a mess, just, you know, like just, I just have this memory of just being like, just shivering and shaking and scared to death, and this youth leader is trying to get us to confess whatever like our stuff was. And uh, honestly, I have no idea what I actually came forward for. Um, but, but I remember, like, feeling super guilty about it. And, it, it like, you can kind of understand, like, the, the paradox of it. Like, I, you know, I just spent, like, an hour being told about, like, what a horrible person it was that I was doing this thing. It was probably, like, you know, a 13-year-old boy, like, finding girls attractive. So, like, you can imagine, like, I just spent like an hour hearing about what a terrible person I was that like find girls attractive, and then I'm supposed to just tell this youth leader, yeah, like, so, uh, so I'm sitting here at the end of this row of three or four boys, and the first, the first boys like finally tells the youth leader like, you know, the youth leader's like, hey, what do you need to, what do you need to, what do you come forward for? What's your prayer for? And the boys like, I just need to read my Bible and pray more. <laughs> all good things, right? But that wasn't that juicy nugget that I think that youth leader was going for. So by the time that, you know, I got to me, I was just like, I need to read my Bible and pray more. <laughs> <laughs> so someone unsatisfied, the youth leader led us in prayer, and we got out of there. And uh, I was there with my cousin. It was my sisters and I and our cousins. And I, I remember my cousin, he looked at me afterwards. He's like, what was that about? I'm just like, I don't know. But that was, that's what comes to mind. Something experienced like that, right? When we think about the word repent, like that's often what we think of. This to, real, to just feel really bad about ourselves, to feel guilty, to feel shameful, to say what a horrible person we've been, to say we've done all these wrong things, we, we beat ourselves up and tell ourselves that we are a miserable person. I was thinking about this too. Anybody remember 
Every head bowed, every eye closed. I mean, I feel like just saying that, when I was just saying that, it's like trigger warning right there. <laughs> just like, highs, you know, uh, I'm saying it wrong. Head bowed, eyes closed. And, uh, you know, maybe we can remember being in a service similar to what I described. You know, the, the tightness in your chest, our heaviness of our breathing, the weight of those eyes staring down upon us. Or maybe when we think about repentance, we think about, you know, the, the street preachers. We don't see those very much today. Or the, the Westboro Baptist folks who hold those angry signs. Or we think about the TV evangelists all saying the same thing. Repent. Whatever comes to mind when we think about, or think about the word repent, I'm guessing what comes to mind is something like this. Remembering and confessing everything we've ever done wrong. Repent, repent, repent. Guilt, guilt, guilt. Shame, shame, shame. Here's the thing. I don't think this is what Jesus meant when he walked around calling people to repent. So at the beginning of Jesus' what we call in the churchy world, Jesus' earthly ministry... Jesus began proclaiming a message, calling people to repent because the kingdom of heaven was coming near. Now, uh, it's nicely described in our Bible, and we're going to read real quick from Matthew chapter 4, verse 12, if you'd like to follow along. Uh, I, I kind of have this habit of reading from the actual Bible. I feel like there's something, I feel like there's something, I like reading books. Um, so we're reading from Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and he made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. So, what, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region in shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, uh, in fairness, if you are an expert in Hebrew, you might come after the service and correct me if I mispronounce those names. Uh, but you get the drift, right? Jesus was walking around the countryside saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And was interestingly uh, enough, in that same time, there was this other guy who was talking about that same message, right? Do you remember the name John the Baptist? John the Baptist is curmudgeonly old fellow who was known for being an outcast, an oddball, also proclaimed this message. Just uh, in our Bible, the few chapters earlier, uh, John says, in those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming the same thing, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, there's actually some biblical scholars who think that Jesus actually started out as a disciple of John the Baptist, and what happens, as what sometimes happens, the, the pupil outshines the mentor, the, the pupil becomes a mentor, kind of like if you're a sports fan, like Bill Belichick and started out as an assistant coach for Bill Parcells, and the, the pupil has, or the, yeah, the pupil has outshined the mentor. But sure enough, uh, 
they went around proclaiming this same message, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The thing is, when we hear those same words, we often hear those same voices of the street preachers, those Westboro Baptists, those TV evangelists. And again, here's the thing. This is not what John the Baptist meant. This is not what Jesus meant. Rather, these street preachers, these TV evangelists, simply misunderstand what the word repent means. So I'm going to save you all from diving too deep into the Greek here. But in the original language, in the original meaning of the word in which it was written, to repent actually means to change one's mind or one's purpose, to think differently. What Jesus was saying, what John the Baptist was saying, was that in Jesus something new is happening, new information is being presented, a new way was coming, and in light of this new thing, we should start doing things differently. Now, if you're like me, that seems a bit anticlimactic, I guess, is the word that comes to mind. Kind of like, well, well, that's it? I'm just supposed to start doing something new? There's not supposed to be this, this huge, like, guilt fest of shame and miserableness? Like, if, you've, if you're like me, you've heard that same word again and again, and think repenting means to feel really bad about yourself, to feel really guilty and shameful, to say what a horrible person you've been, what are all the things you've done wrong, to beat yourself up and just acknowledge your own miserableness and kind of just grovel in your own miserableness. Like, like for me, growing up in church, I just have this memory of just like, uh, every time we had communion, you're supposed to like rack your brain about all the terrible things you've done. And just kind of like, kind of just like grovel and, and all that yuckiness of yourself. Like me, I'm sure, you know, you might have been taught the same thing. Like this is what it means to repent. But this is not, this is not what Jesus means when he says to repent. Now in fairness, this isn't to say that we've, we never make mistakes or do things that we regret. Of course. This isn't to say we should never be accountable for the decisions we make or never ask forgiveness when we hurt someone. Of course. But unlike what we hear so commonly in church, repentance is not about guilt or shame. It's not. Think of it like this. So when I was in, I think it was middle school again, junior high back in those days, uh, we had this essay contest where we were supposed to write an essay about Anne Frank, if you've heard of Anne Frank, um, as something like, what would Anne, think, Anne Frank think of something in our world today? And I wrote this essay, uh, and to be honest, it's kind of embarrassing to talk about, um, but I wrote this essay about how Anne Frank, if she was alive today, would be opposed to homosexuality. And, uh, you know, it's kind of embarrassing to talk about, but, you know, it was who I was at that time. And, you know, to my knowledge, my memory, I had never knowingly at that time even met an LGBTQ person. Yet because of what I had been taught, I was convinced to write such a forceful essay. And really, it was only after meeting such persons, after reading their stories, after hearing their voices, I learned how foolish I had been. 
Now, certainly, certainly then and perhaps even today, uh, maybe still today, I hope not. Uh, hopefully my essay's been long deleted and thrown in the trash. But it's possible that my actions and my attitudes still have harmful effects on LGBT persons and their families. And I, I've got to acknowledge that, right? But, and I'm, you know, I, I'm willing to be corrected if I'm wrong, but I, I don't believe that I do myself or God any favors or LGBT persons by beating myself up about my past ignorance. Rather, it's through the faithful witness of LGBT plus persons that I was presented with new information, a new perspective, and God said to me, Lord, it's time to change your mind. It is time to change your purpose. I want you to think and do differently. And I think now that I can help LGBT plus persons by living differently according to this new information and by turning and acting differently, I believe. I believe that the message of Jesus isn't that you should be weighed down by your past mistakes. The message of Jesus isn't that you need to keep rehashing all your misdeeds. The message of Jesus isn't that you need to keep telling yourself you're a horrible person. I mean, that's, I'm sorry, that's, that's backwards. The message of Jesus is that rather being, than being burdened by your past, rather than being weighed down by guilt and shame, rather than continually beating yourself up, God offers us a new way of living and invites us to move forward. And man, that changes everything. That changes everything. Our mission and our purpose here at Mission Gathering is not, is not to hit people over the head with guilt and shame about their mistreatment of LGBT plus persons, about their apathy or carelessness towards injustice, or their lack of concern for others. Rather, is to present with to present people with a new way of living, one in which we welcome everyone, one in which we care for everyone, and we work for the best of everyone, just as Jesus did. Basically, we invite them to change their mind and their purpose and to live and think differently after. We're presenting new information to people. We're saying that because of the resurrection of Jesus, everything is different. God's love made out in Jesus cannot be stopped, cannot be defeated, cannot be overcome. Because Easter changes everything. And because of that boundless love, our mission then is to share that news with others. So in many ways, we are kind of like John the Baptist, although we don't have to do the, the goat's hair and the eating of grasshoppers, right? We can say, hey, everybody, I invite you to consider and to think about things differently. I invite you to think about and consider what you've known as the limits of God's love and welcome. I invite you to live differently. That's it. You know the nice thing about not buying into these scare tactics of guilt and shame? We don't have to use those same tactics of guilt and shame. Like, sure, it'd be easier if I could just, like, 
beat Bill over the head with guilt and shame. So in many ways, it's, it's, it's as simple as doing what we're doing. Just by existing, by being here, we are proclaiming a new way. Not that we're not, we're not the only ones doing it, but we are proclaiming a new way here in Thornton and Northeast Denver, Metro. By giving, by supporting, by attending, we're proclaiming to our, our part of the, the world, the community, that, hey, there is a different way of doing things. Together, let's move forward in God's love and welcome made known into Jesus. And from now on, let's do things differently. To me, that's, that's the message of repentance. Here is some new information. Go forward in God's love. Be a different person. Do things differently. Live with a deeper, different purpose. Following God. Let's pray.